Welcome to the My Buddy Green podcast. I'm Jason Wachab, founder and co-CEO of My Buddy Green, and your host. Hey, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day. And in spirit of Valentine's Day, we're going to go deep on relationships with Dr. Margaret Paul, the best-selling author, relationship expert, who's counseled individuals and couples since 1968, so even before I was born. She's the author and co-author of nine books and the co-creator of the powerful inner bonding healing process and one of my all-time favorite Mind Body Green contributors who also happens to be prolific. And today on Valentine's Day, it's fitting that we talk about all things relationships, the good, the bad, the open ones, when to leave a relationship, and get this, of course, narcissists. And Dr. Paul actually thinks you can make it work with a narcissist. It's going to be a fun one. Margaret, welcome. Thank you so much. It is so great to have you here. I've been such a fan of all of your great posts on My Muddy Green for years, and you're you're finally here. Yeah, it's I'm about excited. time. So for today, we're gonna we're gonna talk about people who are looking for a great relationship, and then we're also gonna talk about people who are in a relationship mm-hmm. and want to make it better. So let's start with the first bucket. And why do you think people have difficulty finding a good relationship in the first place? Let's start there. Well, one of the things is is that um, we attract at our common level of woundedness or our common level of health. And that means our common level of either abandoning ourselves or loving ourselves. And so... If we're abandoning ourselves, which so many people do, they don't realize it, but um, they abandon themselves by judging themselves harshly, by turning to various addictions, not taking responsibility for their feelings, staying up in their head and not even being aware of what they feel, or making other people responsible for their feelings. And so when they're doing this and they're abandoning themselves, they're looking for somebody who's gonna love them in the way that they're not loving themselves. The problem is they're going to attract somebody who's doing the same thing. And so that's not gonna work out very well. If two people are abandoning themselves, they're, they're, not, gonna, they're not gonna do well. And so um, this happens all the time with people who are not taking loving care of themselves. Then they're attracting people who are doing the same thing and wondering why are they having this problem. But that's why, because they have not learned how to see and value and love themselves. So the cliche, if you will, is not a cliche. It's true. It all starts with loving yourself. It really does. And and one of the problems is is that most people have no idea what that means cuz so often people say, "Well, I do. I take baths and I get my nails done and, you know, and I rest when I need to." But it's really it, I mean, that's fine. But it's really about learning to take responsibility for our own feelings rather than making other people responsible, rather than blaming. If you think about what happens so often in relationships is people blaming each other for their own unhappiness rather than taking responsibility for that. And so people have to learn how to love themselves enough to know who they really are inside and to value who they are. And uh, I mean, that's, that's vital. So in a sense, is it having a self-awareness and accountability for 
who you are, the, the good and the bad? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and I'm sure you know so many people do not take accountability. They see themselves as victims of their family, of other people, of their relationship. And so they're, they're blaming other people. I see people so often where their relationship isn't working out. And instead of saying, well, I wonder what I'm doing in the relationship that's making it not work out, they say, well, I just picked the wrong person. This person you know, was abusive or this person was not available. This person wasn't open. And it's all about the other person rather than about themselves. My mother said to me a long time ago in my 20s, it takes two to tango. <laughs> when right. I was talking about a difficult relationship, and it, it's, it's true. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And, and so often when people come to me and they're telling me what went wrong in the relationship, and I say, well, what about your end of the system? They don't know. They don't know what they were doing. And so you mentioned people dating unavailable people. Yeah. Why do we do that? <laughs> I love that question. <laughs> well, because we're unavailable. When people are dating unavailable people, they're actually not available. They think they're available. But if they were really available, they wouldn't be attracted to unavailable no, people. people. They'd be attracted to available people. So they don't want to know that they're not available because if they know that, they've got to do their inner work to become available. These are people who are actually afraid of intimacy. They're afraid of losing themselves in the relationship. They're afraid of being rejected. And so they haven't done the inner work to learn how to set good limits against losing themselves and learn how to deal with rejection without getting so hurt. Mm -hmm. And so they're afraid. They're coming from fear, which makes them unavailable. And so then, of course, they're going to be attracted to unavailable people because that's what's safe. If they're with unavailable people, they don't have to worry about giving themselves up. They don't have to worry so much about being rejected because it's already not going to work out, and they know that. And what about attracting the wrong people? It's, Maybe they're available, they're just wrong. Yeah. So, you know, so often we attract people who are treating us the way we're treating ourselves. And that's the wrong people. So if people are rejecting themselves with their various forms of self-abandonment, they're judging themselves, they're not listening to themselves, they're not valuing themselves, they're going to attract people who, who treat them that way because we so often get treated the way we're treating ourselves. So again, it comes down to learning to see and value and love ourselves. If, if people were loving themselves and valuing themselves, they would never get into a relationship with the wrong person. So, you know, I'll, I'll use a, a personal anecdote. So in my, in my 20s, you know, I drank way too much. I went to bars all the time and, and that's where I met people and you know looking back you know I, I probably wasn't available and most mm. of my relationships were very very short term with the exception of a, of a few and so you know I look at this in two parts one I, I agree with everything you said it probably wasn't it wasn't available wasn't wasn't willing to do the work and really wasn't really looking for anything serious and on the other hand, I go to the looking, the looking part, and uh, I remember maybe complaining about this to my, or came up in conversation. I'm going back to my mother in my twenties, 
um, she said, you know, maybe you're maybe you're looking in the wrong places. <laughs> right. and, and, you know, look, love is everywhere and can be found anywhere. It doesn't doesn't discriminate. What, what's your take on, you know, the, the, the looking part of this? My mother's advice, of course, is like, you need to go to church and you maybe look there or do whatever. And, you know, sound, sound advice. You know, maybe I was looking in the wrong places. What What's your thought on the, the looking part and, and where to look? Or do you not focus on that? It's about doing the work first in yourself and putting your arms up and saying, I'm available, I'm open. Well, I think your mother was very wise. Yes, I love my mother. <laughs> I think that um, it is about putting ourselves in places where we're going to meet available, like-minded people. And if you're interested in a relationship with somebody who's into personal growth or eating well, being healthy, you're going to have to put yourself in those situations where you're going to meet those people. So you're probably not going to meet them in a bar. Yep. And... In meeting people, the world has also changed since I've, I've been married, happily married for 10 years. Uh, you know, th- there weren't dating apps back then. Right. And on one hand, I say, wow, and I, this is amazing. People have access to all these sorts of people. They can look at interests and it, 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 the access is amazing. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, <laughs> just talking to, to friends who are single and out there, it's like, wow, this is overwhelming. How do you even, <laughs> what's your take on the, the good and the bad of all the apps out there and how that's changed things for people? You know, so, so much of this has to do with what I call frequency. And it's, it's about the level that you're operating at. And if you're operating at a frequency where you're open and you're caring and you're loving, you're going to be able to tune into um, who who is like that? And I think that the the dating apps and all of that can be very helpful to people. I've had a lot of clients that have had very very good luck with that when they're open, when when they learn to discern the energy of somebody. And we can learn to do that very rapidly. But then there's those people who again are looking for somebody to love them and take care of them and complete them, and they're going to have a very hard time. Mm-hmm. with that and the apps are actually not going to be very helpful for them because their frequency is too low they're, they're not operating from from an open place from a caring place so you know people ask me all the time should I be using the apps and I say you know try it and see if it works for you and it does work for many people but doesn't work for a lot of people unless they're willing to do their inner work all starts with the inner work. It does. Got to get yourself does. right. You got to get yourself right. And so, you know, when people are in a relationship, you know, especially as they're they're, you know, maturing and getting to know themselves, you know, people tend to get to this point where, you know, is this is this going to go to the next stage, whether that's marriage or partnership or whatever whatever the definition may be that you're looking for. How do you tell if someone is truly in love with you and and this is the one or you're just emotionally dependent on that person or vice versa? (laughs) Well, again, that has to do with the level of inner work because emotional dependency comes about 
when we're abandoning ourselves, when we're not caring about ourselves, when we're judging ourselves, when we're ignoring our feelings, when we're turning to addiction, uh, turning to addictions, making others responsible for us, which are the four major ways people abandon themselves, um, we're going to be emotionally dependent on somebody else making us feel like we're okay. And this is a huge problem because when we're emotionally dependent, it, it's as if, let's say you, you have a little child Instead I of, do. Okay. Well, <laughs> I would assume that you would not be going around the neighborhood trying to find somebody else to take care of your child, right? Correct. You want to do it. You want to love the child. So imagine we have an inner child, and that's our feeling self. When we're not taking care of our own feelings, we're going around the neighborhood. We're looking around saying, will you take care of this, this child, this feeling self in me? Will you make me feel okay? And so we become emotionally dependent. And we, we pull on the other person. We do all kinds of things to manipulate. We give ourselves up. We get angry. We do a lot of controlling things when we're trying to get somebody else to give us what we need to be giving to ourselves. We are already rejecting ourselves when we're doing this. Like if you took your child and tried to give your child away, that child would feel rejected even if somebody else said, oh, yeah, I'll love that child. Mm -hmm. child's still going to feel rejected by you. And that's what happens on the inner level. As soon as we make somebody else responsible for us, we're rejecting ourselves. And that's not going to bode well. And so we know that a relationship is going to move forward when we're loving and valuing ourselves and we feel that also. We're sharing love. There's a big difference between trying to get love and actually sharing love. We can't share love if we don't have love to share. And if we're not loving ourselves, we're not filled up with love. We're empty inside. When we abandon ourselves, we're empty inside. We want somebody else to fill us. But when we're loving ourselves, we get filled with love, and we get to share that love. And that really is the highest experience in life is the sharing of love. And when both people are able to do that, they don't wonder what's going to happen in the relationship. They know. It feels great. They want to be together. They enjoy each other. They have fun. They're turned on to each other. The, the commitment happens easily right. when people are sharing love. You mentioned the word so the, easily, and I, I'm glad you, you said easily. Um, personally, I've always felt that relationships, especially in the beginning, look, life is hard. And you keep on saying, on one hand, you're saying the work, the work, the work, and the work is important. You got to do the work. But with relationships, aside from the work, I've always felt that there needs to be some level of ease in the beginning. There has to be that, that flow that, because, you know, life can be difficult and, you know, people can get sick and, kids and life happens and twists and turns and so right. if there's not some level of ease in the beginning when you're really throwing a curveball you know that, that's it's not going to be a good sign you're going to be able to get through that as a couple yeah and 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 that's very true and and the ease really is about 
um, being in love with who the person really is, being in love with their essence. You know, we, we, we have an essence, we have a soul, and everybody's soul is so beautiful, so incredible, but we're not attracted to everybody's soul. And so when people fall in love, they fall in love with who that person really is. But we also have a wounded aspect of ourselves, what we call in inner bonding the wounded self. And that's gonna come out in every relationship. This is the part of us that's programmed with a whole lot of false beliefs. And, and nobody, nobody comes into a relationship enlightened, or very few people come sure. in enlightened. And so we're going to get triggered into our wounded self. In order to, to manage that, we have to have that ease that you're talking about. We have to have that flow. We have to feel like we just love the essence of this person, and we're willing to work through the challenges of life, whether it's... It, whether it's illness or conflict or whatever it is, there has to be that that deep love between people, that deep commitment, so that they can weather the challenges of life. And and you can feel, I mean, it sounds like you felt that kind of ease yeah. at the beginning of your relationship. I so, learned from a lot of bad relationships. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that, that, that allows you to go through having children and all the challenges and all the things that come up without falling apart in the relationship. I think one of the most difficult decisions that people face in a relationship as, as it's evolving, as it's growing, as it's maturing, is the decision to walk away. <laughs> I know every, every relationship is unique and it's hard to generalize, but in your opinion, what are some of the signs that you know maybe it's time to, to move on? Well, there's a lot of different things that can happen. Um, maybe you just grow apart. Maybe you're both wonderful people, but you're each, um, what, maybe one person is doing their inner work and the other one isn't. They lose their connection. They're, they're just off in different ways. And, and there's really nothing more to learn in the relationship. You know, there's so much to learn. I'm sure you know there's so much to learn in relationships. So if both people aren't in there doing that, then it gets, it gets boring and stale and stagnant. And then it may be time to leave. But then there's the more difficult issues. It's like if there's any kind of abuse, if there's physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, it may be time to leave. Of course, I, I you know, if there's if there's physical or sexual abuse, of course people have to leave. But if there's emotional abuse, unless it's really severe, I recommend that people take a look at what they're doing. What are they allowing? Mm -hmm. What's their end of the system? Because if they leave before understanding their end of the system, they might recreate the same emotionally abusive system. We tend to do that. Um, one of the things that I've been looking at recently is scapegoating. Um, this happens a lot. It's not, it's not known a lot, but a lot of people grow up, as I did, where um, I was the scapegoat in the family. I was blamed for everything. I was yelled at. Everything was my fault. And I was the good girl, the sensitive one, the empathic one. And so then when you, when you grow up like that, you tend to attract somebody who's also scapegoating you. And it's really important to deal with your own end of the system. What are you taking in? What are you allowing? 
And I encourage people, if they can, to do their work and then see what happens. Mm -hmm. And then it may be time to leave. Also, you know, there's this whole issue of narcissism. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big issue in in our society. And... If you're with somebody who um, is narcissistic in the sense of really not being able to have any empathy towards you, any compassion, which is one of the hallmarks of narcissism, and they can't really connect, and you're getting blamed for everything, and they're not willing to do any of the work or deal with that at all, then it also may be time to leave. Somebody is acting out addictively. They're, they're an alcoholic. They're, they're a drug addict, and they don't want to deal with it. They don't want to get help. It may be time to leave. So we, we will come back to narcissists because that's just too big of a topic to, <laughs> just, to, to, to breeze over. But I, So let's just say someone does walk away. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the healing process. How do you heal from a breakup? Well, again, I mean, um, it's it's about looking at your end of the system. It's about learning to take responsibility for yourself. It's about being honest with yourself. Um, how much of yourself did you abandon in that relationship? Uh, th- you have to take that back. You have to really stop making other people responsible for you. And so the the work is, the inner work, the work is learning to love and value yourself. The work is to not be a victim, to not be blaming anybody for what's happened here. And and I, I know from firsthand experience, I was married for 30 years when the marriage ended. And I had a lot of inner work to do to understand my end of the system. And, and that's what people have to do. And so... Coming back to narcissists, you have an interesting point of view. You've also talked, so on one hand, you talk about like how to leave one, but then you also talk about how to make it work with a narcissist. Yeah. So let's talk about both. How to make it work with a narcissist is that you have to stop being the scapegoat. (laughs) (laughs) I love, you are all about accountability. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. You have to stop taking it in. And, and when you really recognize that you're being a scapegoat in the relationship and you stop allowing that, you start taking care of yourself, you start walking away from any blame, any abuse, you stop tolerating things that are, uh, that are hurtful to you, then uh, the relationship may, may change enough for you to hang in there, because people can change, even narcissists can change. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, if there's children, if there's underlying love, if there's a commitment there, um, r- really taking care of yourself in a very solid way, and being willing to disengage from any interaction that feels unloving to you, rather than fight it, because there's no winning with a narcissist. They're, they're, <laughs> they're going to blame you. And when people are in that state, now there's also there's levels of narcissism. Sure. Yeah. There's, there's the narcissist. There's a right, narcissist right. spectrum. If right. You right. Right. So there's the narcissistic personality disorder, which you might not want to hang in for. But then there's what I call garden variety narcissism, which most of us have in one degree or another, because in that ego wounded part of ourselves, that part of ourselves is narcissistic, and so um, when we learn 
to take care of ourselves, when we learn to stand up for ourselves, speak up for ourselves, not tolerate unloving behavior, not tolerate being blamed, we can shift the relationship. And, and that's what I recommend people try and do before just leaving mm-hmm. a relationship. So uh, on the other end of the spectrum, so like, okay, we talked about some big things, narcissists, you know, difficult, how to spot them, leave them. And when you were talking about, you know, your relationship in 30 years, like it's, it's it brought to mind um, something that, you know, Sue Johnson has written about. And it's like this, this slow erosion mm-hmm. of a relationship. And she's talked about whether it was communication patterns or it's, it's this idea that most relationships don't necessarily fall apart because like of a big event, right. you know, someone cheated infidelity or abuse or something. It's like this slow erosion where over time people look at each other like what happened? Like it just disappeared. And, and she talked about like some things that could lead to that slow erosion. In your opinion, like what can lead to that slow erosion, if you will, of a relationship, whether it's over a couple of years or 50 years, like what are the things that happen when people say like they've grown apart or the magic's not there anymore? We've all heard those phrases. Right, like right, what, right. What, what, what's happening? And I know it's hard to generalize. No, really, but- um, it, there's one major thing, and that is that has to do with the intention that I was talking about. When people's intention is to control Rather than to learn about themselves and each other, they cannot resolve conflict. Because if there's conflict and the intention is to control, to win, there is no win-win. And so, um, you know, if people are either giving themselves up and, and trying to pacify, be a good girl, be a nice guy, or they're getting angry and they're blaming or they're withdrawing, these are all things that people do when their intention is to control or they're resisting. Um, but if they're open to learning, if, if they see the relationship as an arena to learn and grow with each other, and they're open to learning about themselves and each other, and when they enter conflict, they're caring about both themselves and each other, and they really want to understand what's happening rather than win or not lose, mm-hmm. they're going to maintain their spark, their connection. In fact, it's going to get better. So that's what erodes. It, it, it's the bottom line of intention. So ultimately, is it about respect at some level, like respecting and being open? Yes, and, and that is part of the intention to learn yeah. about oneself and about the other person, is you're respecting yourself, you're respecting the other person. But when the intention is to control, there right. is no respect. So you mentioned conflict, and look, relationships. There's there's conflict. Yes, there's <laughs> I think conflict. there's no con- right. there's no conflict. I could make the case that you know maybe you're not engaged. That's right. That's and that's right. another problem. You're just yeah. it's just. <laughs> that's right. So, what do you do when you know you're really pissed at your partner? What's the proper way to handle that? Okay, so. Um, really, there's only two healthy ways of dealing with conflict. I mean, conflict is great because there's so much learning that can happen. But the problem with a lot of conflict is that if people are angry, they're in the lower part of their brain called the amygdala. Mm-hmm. And they are not rational. So trying to work out conflict when one or both are angry is not a good idea. So the two healthy ways are either move into an intention to learn, if that's possible, 
or lovingly disengage, which means you don't withdraw, you don't close your heart, you don't shut down, you take a time out. It's as if you had a kid and there's anger going on, you don't want that kid to be exposed, so you take the child by the hand and you just go in another room and you soothe and you learn and then you come back in a half an hour and maybe you're open and then you can talk about it. And so I encourage couples to have an agreement that if it starts to escalate and they can't open to learning, they just lovingly disengage. One of them says, let's just take a half hour time out and then see where we are. Usually it takes about a half an hour for that anger to de-escalate. Mm -hmm. And then if people are willing to go inside and see what happened, what got triggered, what's their issue, move into that intention to learn, they can get back together and say, okay, you know what, I'm ready to talk about it, are you? And if the other person isn't, then there's nothing they can do. They have to wait. If the, if the other person never opens, that does not bode well mm -hmm. for the relationship. So it's this notion of having the wherewithal to pull the other partner closer or come back and not let one's temper or anger get the best of them where it escalates to potentially a point of no return. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, people say things they don't mean in anger. Of course. And, and it's hurtful. And sure. And words hurt. It's not good for a relationship to let it escalate. And sometimes it'll even escalate into violence. And of course, mm -hmm. we don't want that. So it's much better to, to tune into the fact, I'm not open. I'm, I'm angry. I'm pissed. I, you know, it's the other person's fault. I'm just blaming. This isn't going to work. I'm going to go take a time out and see what's really going on. Is it also, I'm curious in your opinion, when, when there is conflict, is it a test in some way of how, how deeply you care about someone and if the relationship has staying power? Because on one hand, when there's conflict and it escalates, it's often hard to take a step back and say like, okay, like this is killing me at the moment, but I love this person. I need to come back. We need to figure this out. Right. And... There needs to be some sort of inner knowing there, like versus, you know what? I'm just done. I can't do this anymore. Right. Well, th that is what the wounded self says. I'm done. Mm -hmm. I can't tolerate this. But that is not where we are when we're in our higher brain, what we call in inner bonding, the loving adult, our mm -hmm. higher brain, uh, the prefrontal cortex. And, and, this is, and this has to do with what I was saying before, that you love the essence of that person. And yeah, I mean, you feel like you're done being treated this way, you don't want to be in this anymore, but you have to realize that that is one of the protections, one of the control mechanisms of the wounded self. I'm done. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do this. But not, not to really let that take over, because that's not really where you are in your heart when you love who that person really is. Exactly. And that's why you have to take time to de-escalate. And it, well, I guess that was the point I was, it, it could be a sign for people, hey, I'm not really in love or I'm not ready for this. This isn't working Right. oftentimes. So something else you, you've talked about, I love what you said on my buddy green here is, you know, intimacy is an important part of relationships. And there are also some subconscious tendencies that can erode it. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Well, you know, again, um, Intimacy comes about when people are caring about themselves and caring about each other. 
and then they can share love, and that's what intimacy is. But again, when the intention is to control, when you're coming from a fear of losing yourself or a fear of losing the other, these are the kind of the bottom line fears, loss of self, loss of other. Mm -hmm. There's no way that you're going to be open to intimacy when these fears are governing you. And most people do. They have these fears. They, they grow up with these fears of giving themselves up, which many people had to do as they were growing up or being rejected, which many people experienced. It was very painful. And we didn't know how to deal with that as we were growing up. And so we kind of shut down. We close our heart because we don't want to be hurt. There's no way to be intimate when the heart is closed. Mm -hmm. And so here again, it's so important to be doing your inner work and developing that loving adult self who who won't give you up, who who won't just comply in order to keep the peace, who will speak up about what's true for you and loving for you, and who won't take rejection so personally that, oh my God, what did I do wrong? It's all about me, you know, and, and, and who cares about themselves and values themselves enough so that they can keep their heart open. That's the real issue mm-hmm. in intimacy is keeping the heart open. So we, we mentioned the word open so many times, and this is taking it a, a different direction. I'm curious what your take is on open relationships. I have not seen that work real well. Um, I, I mean, some people do that when they, you know, they have kids and they're not in love and they realize they're with the wrong person, and, but they don't want to break up the family, and so they give each other permission to have other relationships, or, or, or they just are not open to each other and the intimacy is gone. But I mean, I, I would much rather see per, uh, people work on the relationship. Mm-hmm. I, I just haven't seen it work well yeah. for people. And so what are the keys to a good, healthy, loving, intimate relationship that lasts? To have that good, open, loving relationship <laughs> with yourself, <laughs> with yourself, and um, uh, you know, the process I teach is very much a spiritual process, and it's about being able to access a source of love that is all around us. It's here, and and when we are open to learning about loving ourselves and sharing our love, we're able to access that that higher love and that higher truth. And so what people need to do is to develop a loving, healthy, intimate relationship with their own soul and with their higher soul to keep their heart open and then they can have that with their partner. I love that. So I, I wanna close with, you know, what are some of the practical easy you know things that someone who's listening could, could could do tomorrow to start doing the inner work to start having that relationship with themselves what what is that what, what does that look like okay they can start today they can start yes. this minute is to um take the journey from mind focus to heart and soul focus Too many people are focused up in their mind. They have no idea what's going on in their body, which is where their feelings are. And they can't take responsibility for their feelings if they're avoiding them. So the first thing that I recommend, which is step one of interbonding, is 
learn to get present in your body with your heart and your soul. Learn to be aware of the feelings that you're having rather than do all of these self-abandoning things to avoid them. And once you're aware of what you're feeling, make a decision that you want responsibility for those feelings rather than blaming somebody else or ignoring them in some way. That's the beginning, is to really get present within yourself. So I take it you're a big fan of mindfulness and yes. meditation. This and is a mindfulness process. Yep. Yes. Thank you so much. You're very welcome.